Good evening, church. Actually, I've got a great testimony of healing that I haven't shared with the church before. Probably since about 1992, I'd, over that, uh, probably the last 16 years, have suffered from um, these infections that are a real pain in the butt. And, <laughs> and um, they put me in hospital probably five or six times over those years. And about two years ago, well, probably about two years ago, uh, this thing came up again. And uh, right on Christmas time, Twice it's happened right on Christmas time, and uh, we had a big, we had a, uh, a cell group Christmas party that night. So I, I crawled home, and I had to kind of, you know, do my best for this party. But uh, to be a host for this party was Sharon, but I just couldn't do it. In the end, I just couldn't do it. So I, I went in and I said to Sharon, "Listen, I've just got to go down to the hospital." I knew by this stage because I had this condition before that it's the best just to go to the hospital. They admit me, they book me in for a couple of days, and I get in to have an operation. So I said to them, "I'm, I'm off. I'm, I've got to go to the hospital." So. They all came around me and they all prayed over me. And I was in that much pain. I was just thinking, just stop praying. I've got to go. So it was, there was no faith with it at all. I had no faith to be healed. It was the, it was the cell group team or the cell group leaders. So I left. I got in the car and I drove into the hospital and waited out in the, uh, in the emergency room on a, on a kind of a stretcher. And then they, um, they admitted me in and they gave me some painkillers because uh, it's extremely painful. And I fell asleep and I woke up this mo- in the morning with no pain. Just absolutely no pain. I'm thinking, is this still the painkillers? Or has something, something gone on here, you know? And I kind of, you know, within because it's my own body, I knew something had happened. So the doctor came in and, um, and checked me and just said, you know, this is, this is pretty amazing because uh, this doesn't usually happen like this. The whole thing had just kind of disappeared. The, 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 you know, not, not the, the infection totally, but the, the, the court, you know, the uh, result of it, if you know what I mean, without going into too much detail. Uh, <laughs> had completely healed, and he said, you're free to go, and I got out of there, and I ran out, and I remember, run, I remember running down to uh, um, Pastor Lynn's retreat, you must be doing a retreat close on Christmas time, your restoration, and came in there totally healed and full of joy, that was three years ago, I haven't had a sign of it back, you know, God, God is a God of healer, of healing, you know, I remember another time, uh, I, I used to have trouble with bleeding gums, and I remember cleaning my teeth one morning, and, and it started to bleed again, I thought, oh, and bleeding gums that had gone for a few months and had come back. And just that morning, I, the, the blood came out. And I thought, oh, bleeding gums. That uh, morning or night in the church, uh, Pastor Brent Douglas was speaking, and uh, he got a word of knowledge for someone that had bleeding gums. Would you believe? And I was straight up. He prayed for me. I've never had a bleeding gum since. You know, God is the God of healing. You know what I mean? Actually, Brent Douglas gave me a word of knowledge another time when I used to also have I had a lot of sicknesses, actually. Um, <laughs> I used to have uh, really bad streptococcal throats. I had rheumatic fever when I was a kid. And since then, I'd, you know, probably about every eight years, I'd get a bad strep throat. And, um, and uh, I came here one night, and uh, Brent Douglas had a word of knowledge with someone with, that has horrific throat infections. And I was straight up, and he laid hands on me and cast spirits of infirmity out. And uh, I've been totally set free, and that was probably 10, 12 years ago. I haven't had a streptococcal throat. So... God is a God that heals, amen? He's a God that heals. You know, I believe these are anointing here to heal. I wonder if, if you have had struggles in your life with, with um, infections and, uh, and the repetitive infections or these things that just you struggle to break free from, blood infections, anything like that. I just wonder if you'd like to stand up or put your hand up if that's you tonight. It's you tonight. That's great. Would you, would you like to, to stand up? I want you to put your hands open to the Lord. You know, God is here to heal. If you, have, if you have struggled with infections in your life, 
God wants to heal you tonight. Why don't we just close our eyes? Father, we just want to thank you tonight. Father, I just pray right now, Lord, from the testimony from my mouth, Lord, for what you've done in my life, Lord, I release that over Mal. I release that over these ones here tonight, Lord, that have suffered from sickness, from infirmities, from uh, infectious conditions, from infections in the blood. Father, we decree and declare healing in Jesus' name. Father, we command all infections to go in Jesus' name. Lord, we release the power of God into those infections, into those areas of sickness, infirmities, and we command healing in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we give the Lord a clap? You know, God is such a good God. You know, He's such an encourager. He loves to encourage us. And, uh, you know, when I was, I was up early this morning just reading through the Bible and getting prepared tonight, and all of a sudden, God laid Mel on my heart. And it was quite amazing because I ended up praying for you this morning, Mel. But actually, before that, God had laid you on my heart. I wonder if you just come up. God wants to really encourage you this morning. And the scripture he gave me for you was Jeremiah 29. And he really, it just really laid it upon me. Just really, I, I just felt so much God's heart for you. That he says, he has many, many great thoughts for you now. And all his thoughts for you are for good. All his thoughts for you are to give you a future and a hope. A future and a hope. And he's not forgotten you. His hand is upon you. And he loves you deeply. Holy Ghost, come. Lord, let your presence come over here. Father, let your anointing come and touch her afresh. Father, touch her heart. Thank you, Lord. Where's Daniel? Daniel, do you want to come up here? When I was worshipping this morning, I kind of was looking around and you got my attention. And, um, you know, you've got, God wants you to know you've got great favor on your life. He really just, I just looked at you and I just got the word favor. Just favor on you. And, uh, and what, God re- what God really loves about you is that you have a heart for him. And actually you don't care what anyone thinks. You're like a, like a David who just doesn't care what's around. Your heart is toward him. Your heart is for him. And you're just, you unashamedly worship him and, and praise him and honor him. And you declare it to the unsaved. You're not ashamed at all. And God just, he just so values that about you, Daniel. Uh, he just honors that about you. And I just saw, Daniel, many doors open for you. And, and these doors of opportunity that are going to keep opening for you. And they're going to go higher and higher and higher. As you prove faithful in the past, God's just going to open new doors. And, uh, and he's just going to give you opportunities, opportunities that you would never dream about. Because you've looked at your past and you've looked at your just your upbringing and, and things like that, but God's going to just blow your mind with just different uh, circumstances and different uh, doorways He's going to open for you because God sees your heart and He sees your favor and He, and he has His favor upon you. Father, we want to thank you for Daniel. You know, you're one of the emerging men in this church, Daniel. You're one of the emerging men in the church. Father, we just thank you for Daniel. Lord, I just release your blessing upon him. Father, we call him forth into all that you have for him right now. In Jesus' name. Touch him, Lord. Holy Ghost. Sergeant, 
God showed me something about you this morning. Holy Ghost, come. You know, you know, God has just a tremendous future for you, Sergeant. And I just saw at the moment, he's just, he's just got taken hold of your heart. And it's like I saw your heart in a cocoon. But, but then, and it wasn't for long, but then I saw the breaking out of just a, just a tremendous kind of, I just saw a vision of, of anointing and, and like mountaintop experiences and just, just like a paradise type of, of uh, um, vision God gave me from you. But at the moment, he's just, just doing a work in that cocoon. He's just beginning to shape your heart and mold your heart and beginning to cut things off and, and, and just trim things here and there so that a tremendous compassion and love and just, just a godliness can arise from you that's going to just impact thousands, Sergeant. Thousands. Holy Ghost, come. Father, I thank you, Lord, for the work you're doing in Sergeant. I thank you, Lord, for your presence upon him. I thank you, O oh God, that you have a great future, a great hope for Sergeant. Father, we just release blessing upon him. We honor Sergeant today. Father, as a man of God, a man after your own heart, Father, we thank you for your great calling upon him. Father, touch him afresh. Thank you, Lord. Why don't we give the Lord a clap tonight? I just, <clears throat> I just love, um, just love the Lord so much. He, uh, he's just so full of goodness, isn't he? You know, he just blows me away at times when. When you blow it, you know, and you fail and all that, but yet God continually remains good. And I've just been overwhelmed by his goodness at times where I'm thinking, because within yourself you feel like you don't deserve it. But you know, God is just so good. He's so good. But you know, God has a great calling on this church. He has a great calling individually. And like Pastor Lynn mentioned this morning, and it had already kind of been on my heart that, that, you know, we all have personal destinies, but actually these are corporate destiny as well. And our personal destinies will interlink with the corporate destiny of this church. And that's why it's so important for each and every one of us just to rise up and take hold of what God's calling us to do and to function in, because that actually is part of the whole body coming into its fulfillment. You know, the Word of God says that we're just all like different members of the body, but each functioning in a different way, but actually all having a tremendous impact. And uh, so, you know, you know, everyone here has just a personal destiny, a, a purpose that God has created them for. And if you don't know Jesus tonight, or you're away from Jesus, then, you know, you need to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He loves you. He gave himself for you that you could come into relationship with him, and you could find your purpose, find your destiny, and then, and then he can begin to lead you into all that he has for you. And if you're saved tonight, well, then, you know, you're already on the, you're already on the right track. You're already on the right track. God is leading you to fulfill his purpose that he created you to be. And, you know, there's a, there's a scripture that's kind of, it's, it's been spoken of a few times. Pastor Lynn spoke about it this morning, and Pastor Mike spoke about it last weekend, and I had it on my heart as well. And it's Ephesians 2.10. It's Ephesians 2.10, and we all know it well. And it says, we are his workmanship. I'm going to have to put my $2 glasses on. <laughs> a year ago, I didn't need them. <laughs> but we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we would walk in them. And, uh, you know, this is the amazing thing, that God created all of us individually. We all have different um, talents, different gifts, different abilities, different dreams. I mean, this is just the uniqueness of God. And, uh, you know, I often look at other people and see their gifts and talents and think, wow, how do they do that? I mean, 
I just I look at my son Joseph, and he, we've got two drum kits in our lounge, and he just goes hard on the drums, and his two brothers go hard on the drums, and then I get on the drums, man, boom, boom, boom. I'm just I cannot do it, you know. I just I can't understand how they can just like, coordinate it enough to do the drums. But you know that's that's their gift, that's their talent. It's not mine. And uh, you know I look at Pastor Lynn and the gifts and the talent she's got, and 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 Pastor Sue's and, and other ones. And, uh, and it's, it's great to honor and value other people and their gifts and the talents and support them in their dreams. But, you know, it's up to us individually to find out what God's created us to do, to us to be, and then to walk in that. And the Bible says that we're created for good works. Good works. So that means there's more than one. There's lots of different things God has you to do, uh, has called you to do. Not just one work, but there's lots of different things that God's calling us to do. And the last part of that scripture says that, that we, that we should walk in them. Beforehand, that we should walk in them. So God's desire is that we walk in, in the plans and the purposes and the dreams that he has. And uh, if he says we should walk in them, that kind of implies that not everyone will walk in them, which is a bit of a concern, you know. And uh, if you don't know Jesus Christ, you'll be walking in an element of your, your, your purpose and destiny and and that'll be outworking in different areas. Um, but, uh, but um, uh, and if you're saved, some, you know, not even that saved is also walking in their purpose and destiny. And, uh, you know, there's a parable in the, in the Scriptures that talks about the sower and the seed. And uh, the first one, the first person heard the Word of God, but then it was quickly stolen from him, and he didn't, and he didn't function at all. He didn't even get off base one. He didn't even begin to walk and begin to start his journey into his destiny. The second one heard the word, but, but soon, soon after a little while, temptation came and he was pulled away and fell into temptation. That, that's, when his, that's when his walk ended. Another one heard, heard the word and rejoiced, but then the cares of the world, the riches and the wealth and, the, and, and, and just the delights of the world took over and consumed that person, and they began to walk a different path. And then others um, heard the word of God. They acted. They hung on to Jesus. They hung on to his words. They hung on to his promises. And they persevered and they walked and they walked with God. It doesn't mean it was easy, but they walked with God and are still walking with God. And my prayer and cry for everyone here tonight is that you'll be that last person there, that you would hear the word of God, that you would act upon what Jesus said, that you would follow him, and that, uh, and that you'd begin to journey with, journey with Christ. And, uh, you know, who knows that our walk of faith isn't always that easy. You know, at times you kind of feel like you're hanging on by a thread. You know, I do. I, I do often. You know, and, and, and I know a lot of people do that. From a distance you look like, oh, he's pumping away and he's full of faith and all that kind of stuff. But actually, internally, often it's a real um, crying out to God, holding on to him in times of trouble. You know, the Bible says that he's an ever-present help in times of trouble. And, man, I've... I've declared that scripture and cried out to God many times when I've just been feeling overwhelmed and in trouble. Uh, but, you know, God is an ever-present help in times of trouble. Why don't we just turn to Luke 8.22, if you've got your Bible. And I just want to share a story that most of you will know here tonight. It's a journey that we all go on. Luke 8.22 says, Now it happened on a certain day that he got into a boat with his disciples, and he said to them, 
let us cross over to the other side of the lake. And they launched out. And they launched out. So a certain day, well, you know, if you're not saved tonight, a certain day is the day you get saved. A certain day is the day you get saved. Jesus said to you, right, you're part of our family. You're part of our kingdom now. Let's, I've, got a, I've got a place to take you. I've got a journey to take you. Let's go. And then, you know, for others um, that, that are saved and be walking with God, uh, Jesus is saying, you know, let's go. Let's cross over to the other side. You know, that cross over to the other side literally means I want to take you beyond where you are now. You know, God has always wanted to take you beyond where you are now. Otherwise, we, can, we become comfortable. We become settled. But, uh, you know, he, he, he just wants to move us along. And uh, we've got to choose whether we, whether we go with Jesus or not. And, uh, and one of the reasons why he wants to take us and move us beyond where we are now is, is because he wants to, uh, it's an opportunity for us to grow. Amen? You know, all of us kind of want to grow and we want, we want to be mature Christians and we want to function. We all have dreams and desires when we're first born again and saved and we want to get to that place where those dreams are. But you know, there's a price to pay. There's always a price to pay of getting to where God wants you to get. And, uh, and part of that price is to, to get in the boat with Jesus and go with him and trust him through it. And uh, in verse 23 says, um, But as they sailed, he fell asleep. And a windstorm came down on the lake, and they were filling with water and were in jeopardy or, or were in great danger. And, uh, you, know, often, you know, often when you're in a storm, you know, when you're in a storm, things are clouded. You can't see as clearly. The blue sky is gone. It's stormy, and you can't, you can't see as clearly. And, and uh, a lot of us would know that Jesus just seems to disappear. He, it's like you, you, often you can't feel his presence anymore. You can't, you can't see him. Often even people that you've been close to uh, kind of disappear. And often you can, you can kind of feel, feel left alone. And, uh, but, you know, we, this is when we need to trust Jesus, that he is there. And... Uh, and what happened with the disciples? You see, they got their eyes off Jesus and their focus was on themselves. They began to be concerned about themselves and, and afraid that they were going to die and afraid that they were going to perish. And, uh, and so their focus became inward and they got filled with fear and filled with concern about themselves. But you see, they, they, they forgot that Jesus said, let's go to the other side. He's already said, we're going to the other side. We're going to the other side. And so they had lost all hope. And you know, so many of us in these storms, they lose... You, it's easy to lose hope and, and because the, the storm clouds you. And, and, but, you know, you've got to take hold of Jesus. You've got to take hold of his promises, of his words, of his promises. The Bible says that uh, he will never leave you, nor forsake you. He will always be with you. Uh, he's the author and the perfecter, the finisher of your faith. So what Jesus started, he will finish. Jesus is committed to finishing um, uh, uh, your, the work he has created you to do. And all he requires from us is just a heart toward him, a trust in him, and a belief that God can take us on. Amen. You enjoying this? So what are storms? What are storms? Storms are season or events that test or expose what's in us, what we believe or what we don't believe. And, uh, you know, we, we need to go through this kind of stuff because, you know, the Bible says our hearts are, are wicked, you know, in us. And, uh, and, and our paradigms and our thoughts and the way we've been raised up and the way we've been uh, brought up as children and, and the mindsets we have have just distorted our belief patterns. So we get saved and our, and our spirits are born again and we're brand new, we're created in Christ. We have a new spirit, a new heart, but a lot of our thought patterns are the same. And as you grow in God, 
He takes you through storms. In fact, you know, storms and trials and wilderness times and uh, uh, giants that we face are actually all a similar thing, just with different little angles on them. But they're all, the, the purpose of them all is actually to expose what's in your heart, what you believe, what you don't believe, so that God can heal you in those areas, deliver you in those areas, set new uh, patterns of thought in your area, and then take you to a new place in Him. And so we need to actually embrace storms. We need to embrace those times. You know, the Bible says, count it all joy. Count it all joy when you go through affliction. And that is the, I mean, that's not easier said than done. It's easier to read that scripture than to do it. But nevertheless, the Bible says to count it all joy. And, and you know, in the midst of that, um, in the midst of going through storms, you've got to find deep down that peace that you know that you know that you know, even though it's, it's, what you're going through isn't nice, that actually God's, God's got your best interests at heart. He's always got your best interests at heart. And, and you know, he, won't, he won't allow you go, to go through something beyond what you can, um, can cope with. In Corinthians, it talks about you won't be tempted beyond what you can cope with. And that in it, God will make a way of escape through it. And uh, so we can trust God that whatever he brings in your life, whatever you're facing today, and I know many of us here uh, are going through storms. There are things in people's lives. I just know it because this is, the, this is the, the story that God laid on my heart a couple of weeks ago. And I just know many are going through storms or facing things in their life and, uh, and, and, and hopelessness and things like that have come around and begin to cloud actually what God's trying to do. So I want to encourage you this morning, just to uh, tonight, just to take hold of God, find that peace that this is actually what God's doing. Is he's wanting to help you, and he's got your best interests at heart. So why do storms come? So we know what, what storms are, so why do they come? Well, they come to test or to try your faith. They come to test. One of the reasons is they come to test and to try your faith. And uh, in 1 Peter 1, verse 5 and 7, and this is one of the first Rema scriptures that God gave to me uh, when I encountered my first storm, and I'll share about that soon. And uh, but Peter says, um, they just talked about the in, inheritance and the incorruptible, undefined um, inheritance that God has for you. And it says, who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials. That the genuineness, this is the key part here, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So you see, we go through trials, we go through storms because God wants to see where our faith is. He wants to, because he, he values our faith so much. You know, the faith is a gift that we have that is, is key to our whole walk in Him. And, uh, and God wants to strengthen that faith. He wants to refine that faith. He wants that faith like gold. And so he will, go, he will allow you to go through things because he wants you to trust in him. He just wants you to explicitly trust in him so that he could exalt you in due time. And, uh, and the other reason why storms come is that they build and develop character in us. And all storms, number one, are there to humble us. In fact, in the Old Testament, when God took the Israelites through the, through the wilderness, he said it was to humble them. To hum- we all need humbling. You know, we all need humbling. So as we go through storms and have to rely on Jesus uh, to get to our destination, there often is a humbling process. And, 
you know, I've been through uh, many a storm, and we've got a few storms going around at the moment, but, but uh, one of the key postures to take is to humble yourself. Because if we don't humble ourselves, God will bring things around our lives that will humble us. And, you know, you know God hates pride. He hates pride. The Bible says that um, he opposes the proud, but exalts the humble. And that, and that, that opposes the proud literally means he, God wars against people that are prideful. So their attitudes, their prideful stance, he, he actively wars against that because he hates pride so much. And, uh, but he exalts the humble. So we've just got to, through storms, allow people to speak in, um, allow circumstances to arise, and, and, uh, and just be humble in it. And, you know, over the last year or so, I've had to humble myself as others have come, and, and I've had to repent for, for relational areas, and, uh, and had to just humble myself as, as I've realized, actually, I was wrong. And I've had things in my life that have hurt other people. And, uh, but, you know, but then, you know, when you do that, it opens a door, it gives God room for him to come in and begin to heal. You know, it actually immediately begins, allows God to come in. But if you're prideful, he won't come in, he'll oppose it, and something else will come up, and you'll just get harder and harder. So you've just got to humble yourself. I know it's not easy, but, but we've got to humble ourselves. And, um, you know, one of the first storms I went in, one of the first upheavals I went into as a Christian was a, a, a friend of mine. He's my brother-in-law, a friend of mine. And I had a contracting business out on the orchard, so we would um, prune trees and pick apples and all that together. And we just started to kind of get going. You know, we had, we had a, another couple of guys that were starting to work with us, and we were picking up different blocks and starting to get a little name. And all of a sudden, this friend and I had a, a relational blowout. Um, I can't even remember what it was about. And uh, so we decided to go our own ways. But what I didn't realize is that he had kind of gone and uh, um, so I was a Christian, he was. And what I didn't realize is that he had gone to the owners of the different blocks and had secured all the work. And all of a sudden I had no work and they had, they had, they had all gone to him. And partly that was my fault because even though we were a partnership, I was kind of the silent partner and allowed him to do all the, the speaking and getting, getting the, uh, the contracts and the deals. So they always looked at him as the leader anyway. So in the end, so I was out on a limb. He had taken all the work. And I had about a week's worth of work left to me on the sorts of left there. And I, I was so down. And uh, actually, you know, storms come on a certain day. This was like overnight. It was like I was going fine in God. And then all of a sudden, I woke up and this thing, it was like God just drove me into the desert or drove me into the storm. I hit the storm just like that. And, uh, but I would get up in the morning and I would go to work in tears, literally in tears, just so down so upset, so hurt about what he had done and so um, depressed and, and hope had gone. And with, with everything, I was feeling embarrassed because uh, I was the Christian and all the family knew that I was the Christian and yet I was going to be out of work. All these kind of things were bombarding me. And, uh, but anyway, one day I was, pruning, uh, I was picking these apples. I can't remember what I was doing. But, and God spoke to me and gave me that scripture out of the book. I was just up in the tree and God gave me that 1 Peter 1, chap, chapter 1. And I went... Back at, at lunchtime, and I read it, and as I read it, it just, I just wept and wept and wept as God spoke to me and revealed to me I, I needed to go through this. His purpose for me was to be refined and, and my faith to grow. So I went home bouncing, just on fire, bouncing, and, uh, you know, and told Sharon, and, and, and the faith level had just increased immensely. And, um, and the very next day, I went to work, and this friend of mine 
uh, came over to have lunch with me. And uh, by this time, we knew that he had secured all the work. Anyway, he came, and, he, and then he asked me to work for him. So this is the guy that we were together. Then he stole all the work, and now he's asking me to work for him. He would be the boss, and I would be work for him. And that he'd, you know, he'd pay me this much. And, and I kind of thought about it. I said, actually, I said, no. I said, you know, I trust God that he'll get me work. And this guy kind of laughed, and he mocked, and he goes, oh, yeah, we'll see, we'll see. But I just held on to God, and I went home. You know, within a week, within a week or something, a, a management job had opened up. A job in an orchard had opened up that then led a few months later into a management job on an orchard. Now, I had no management experience. All I'd done was picked apples, pruned trees, and thinned apples and worked in, in pubs. That, that's all I'd done. And all of a sudden, a, a management job had opened up, and, uh, and I got this job. Not only did the, did the job open up, but also a three-bedroom large house on an orchard, a big old homestead house was given to me as well with the job. So, you know, when you trust God, it happens. And, uh, and now I'm running 10 orchards. I have up to 60 or 70 staff in the season. And so it's just amazing what God can do when you trust in Him. When you trust in Him and step out. But it wasn't easy, you know, the embarrassment of what the family would think and of me being out of work and all that when I'd come back so bold about how God would get me work and God would do this, God would do that. So there's a bit of humbling there. But as I trusted God, you know, He opened up the door. And, um, you know, the rest is history. And so I'll never forget that because that was the first real big storm. You kind of have big major storms and then you have smaller ones, you know. And, uh, but, but it's the big ones that you always remember. They're the ones that really, really test your faith. They really, really test your faith. But I'm, you know, I'm so glad I hung on to God. But, you know, what about King David? You know, another man of faith. At, at, at a young teenage boy, he was anointed a king. So here he is, he's a, he's a shepherd, he was anointed a king, and then he went off and he fought Goliath, and, he, and, he, and, and next minute he's at the king's table, and, and you can imagine what he's thinking. My dream's arrived, I've been anointed king. I mean, they, people don't forget these things. You, know, he, you don't read about him mentioning him being king, but he would remember it, that he's been anointed king. Next minute he's sitting, sitting at the king's table, and he'll be thinking, man, I'm just about there, you know, the day's going to come that I'm going to be king, and then they go off to war. Uh, but all of a sudden, you know, when they, when they come back from war, and, and the ladies of the village are singing, here comes Saul, you know, who's slain his thousands, and, Saul, and, and, King, and David his ten thousands. And immediately, um, that, that, that just drove King David out. Immediately, that just brought up a massive storm in his life. And, but, you know, God needed to do that. God needed to still refine him. Can you imagine the pride King David probably had hearing that? Here is the junior, and he's and they're declaring he's slain his ten thousands, and Saul's um, slaying his thousands. So, you know, it's obvious. We don't read exactly why, but it's obvious King David still had to go through some refining and some testing to build his character for what God had for him. And let's face it, King David was the greatest king we had. Uh, you know, the Bible says he was a man after God's own heart. But I can't remember how many years, it was 14 years, he was out in the wilderness. And, uh, but, you know, there was, there was some posture that he took, a position he took where he, he, uh, he continued to honor Saul. So he, he, before God, he continued to honor the anointed man. And, uh, and, you know, there were times when his own men turned against him, but God continued, to, uh, but King David continued to trust in God. He continued to encourage himself in the Lord. And, you know, it came about in God's time that he became, he went from fugitive to king, fugitive to king. But that whole 
period there was to grow and develop his character. It was to, try, it was to build his faith so that he would be able to rule with authority uh, uh, God's chosen people for that length of time. And, uh, but, you know, that's kind of like a, a type of what we go through as well, and hopefully not for as long. You know, but often the length of time is depending on ourselves, on the posture we take. And, of course, humility is the key to going through storms and, and, and trials quickly. And then, of course, you know, I love the story about Joseph. And I was just reading it this morning just to get it into my heart again. And, you know, what an what a awesome story, Joseph. You know, as a young boy, um, getting dreams and, and being favored. But, you know, but Joseph had some rough edges. You know, the one thing he was, he was a little telltale, you know. Like he'd see his brothers do stuff and he'd run back and tell how dad, well, no one likes that. No one likes a telltale, you know. So you can kind of understand his brothers getting annoyed with that. And, um, and then he got some dreams. You know, he got the first dream with, the, with the, all the sheaves bowing down to his sheep on the ground. And, uh, and then he got another dream with the sun and the moon and the, and the 11 stars all bowing down to him as well. I mean, not great dreams to go and tell, you, tell your parents and tell all your brothers that you've had these dreams. So... You know, Joseph definitely needed some humble pie. He needed to eat some humble pie after that. And, uh, and so we know the story. He was, he was put in a pit and he was sold to slave traders and went to Egypt. But, you know, um, God's favor was still upon him. So even in, in, in um, Pharaoh's house and the servant's house, he still served and, uh, and, he got fa- and, and favor was upon his life. And, uh, but, you know, he wasn't quite ready. Obviously, God saw something that we didn't or that the Bible doesn't share about because it all seemed, seemed like he was going, doing well. He was serving. Um, he was honoring God. He, made good, he looked like he made good choices. You know, when, when, uh, when, when the guy's wife tried to take hold of him to sleep with him, he took off and ran, so he made, he did a, a, he made a good choice there. And so from, from reading in the Bible, it looked like he was doing really well. But actually, he's, he went it seemed like he went further back and went into the dungeon for years to come. So obviously, God, see God, we see from the outside, and re, but God sees the heart. So Joseph went into prison again so for some more refining, some more character development. And then, uh, and then of course, the baker and the, uh, the, the butler came in, and they got chucked into prison, and they had dreams. And, and Joseph uh, discerned their dreams, and after three days, they came out, and, and, the, and the dreams became real. The butler... Got to, got to serve the drink again, but the, but the, uh, but the baker had his head cut off. And, uh, but, and the butler forgot to go and mention to the, to the pharaoh about Joseph discerning the dreams to get him out of prison. So he stayed longer in prison. It was just like, how long is this thing going to go for? And, uh, but, you know, it was because of the great call on Joseph's life. And uh, so finally, the king has a, has a dream, and he calls forth Joseph. And we know the rest of the story where... Joseph was made total ruler of all Egypt, second in charge of, of from the Pharaoh, and discerned the dreams about the years of drought, the years of uh, um, plenty, and then the years of drought. And then, uh, then the story goes on when, when Jacob's brothers came in and he, he uh, did a few little tricks with them to get, to get uh, Benjamin in and then to get his father in. But you know what, what touched me, and I, I just wept as I read it this morning, how, how Joseph couldn't contain himself when, when he had his brothers in the room when invite, and they didn't know who he was, but he knew who they were because he was speaking, speaking through an interpreter. And, uh, and it says Joseph couldn't contain himself and he had to run out of the room and wept and wept and wept and wept. And that just shows he, you know, the, the, the change in the work that God had done in his life, that, that there, the bitterness that he could have had and probably did have um, from his brothers selling him to slave, you know, just 
apparently ruining his life, selling him to Egypt, and the bitterness and the hatred that would have developed in his heart. But now here he is weeping and crying because his brothers were back and his compassion went out to them. And as I read that, I just thought, man, he, God has really done a work in his life that he could love someone and value someone that, uh, that could have done that to him. And, uh, you know, but all, all these stories have a common thread. You know, they all had promises. You know, everyone here today has a promise. They have a dream from God. They have a promise from God that he will fulfill what he's called you to do. I love um, Philippians 1 verse 6, and it says that we can be confident of this thing. This, we can be confident of this one thing that he who began a good work in us will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. And man, do I declare that scripture. I love that scripture, and it encouraged me because it's like of all the scriptures in, in the Bible, God says, you can be confident of this one thing, that I who began a good work in you will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. We need to take hold of the word of God. You know, another thing, you know, these guys, they, they held on to God. They wouldn't let go. They didn't, their hearts didn't fail, and they didn't, walk away from God, even though they're going through the midst of the trials, the midst of the storm, they held, there was something in them that held on to God. You know, they never gave up. They just never gave up. You know, on my cell phone, uh, I've got a plaque on my desk at home, and it's got never, never, never give up. And I've taken a picture of that on my cell phone, and, it's, and it, whenever I look at my phone, that's my, my cover. So I wake up in the morning, and it's never, never, never give up. And many times, <laughs> many times I've looked at that. Many times I've just looked at that to encourage myself because I've felt like giving up. I'm sure many of us have just felt like giving up. And, uh, but that encourages me. You know, they persevered. They all persevered and went through the trials, you know. Um, and uh, they all, you know what, they all reached their destiny. They all reached their destiny. I mean, you look at Caleb and Joshua. Um, what the, you know, they were sent off to, to spy out the land with, with the other guys. And uh, they're the only two that came back that saw the giants. But the Bible says they had a different spirit within them. They saw the giants, but for them, this was food for them. This was growth. They could see that if they could conquer these giants, if they could get through, then, then, then all that they had would be there. So they had a different spirit, whereas the other spies uh, saw the land and came back and said, no, they're too big for us. We can never do that. So they had a defeatist attitude. You know, we need to be like Caleb. We need to be like Joshua, who just have that spirit that says, no, we can do this. We, we, I see these giants. I, I see the storm I'm in, but I, I can see the other side. I can see what God's wanting to do. Uh, you know, I, I've got that dream in my heart. I know, I know where God's wanting to take me, and, uh, and, and I've got a spirit in me, and I will, go, I will just conquer this thing. I will push in with you, God, and I will persevere, and I won't give up, and I'll see the fulfillment of that day in my life. And that's a spirit we need to have. That's a spirit... Um, that I am trying to cultivate around my life. And, it, it, you know, it doesn't make things easier at times, but it just it helps you build that word and build a confession of your faith to continue to go through. And I encourage you today, if you're going through a storm, these things in your life, to take hold of that, that, you know, God has promised me something ahead. God has promised me something ahead. I will, I will hear what God's wanting to say. I will be aware of what God's wanting to do in my life. I'll be open to other people to speak in. I'll be, uh, I, I want to hear the word of God. I want to hear what you're saying. You know, the key is you've actually got to hear what God's saying. You've got to slow down. And God, what are you trying to teach me um, through this? You know, I've got a storm going on at the moment, and God was just, has been just revealing to me exactly what it is. And then, and then Steve this morning, um, Steve Heath came up, and he just began to talk and just talk with me 
prophetically and just begin to talk into all these areas that God had just begun to show me over the last couple of weeks. So that was one, I've been fasting and seeking God for a word, and then he confirms it by just having a, a casual conversation with someone who just begins to speak that same stuff. You know, and that, this is what it's about, hearing God and then allowing others to speak in. I'm so grateful for that, Steve. Just you knowing, just you sharing some of your keys and insights has helped me hugely. Um, and, and it just shows that that's how much God cares, that he gets other people to come in and, and support you and, and, and share with you as well. You know, the disciples, they did reach the other side in the end. After, you know, after they woke Jesus up and, you know, he kind of rebuked them a bit of their lack of faith because their eyes were focused on them and not on Jesus. They did get to the other side, and, you know, and, and when they got to the other side, these are the things that happened. They entered a new season of supernatural growth. And immediately when they got to the other side, they saw a huge deliverance with the man from the tomb. Legions of demons out into thousands of pigs over the cliff. They saw this guy that was more demonized than we've ever seen, totally set free and then standing in his right man. That's what immediately what they encountered. Straight after that, uh, they were walking to the town with Jesus. And, the, and the, Jesus was actually on his way to, to uh, raise a dead girl up when the, when the lady uh, with the with the issue of blood, grabbed hold of his hand, and she was made completely whole. They, they saw that. And then next minute, they saw Jesus raise a 12-year-old girl up uh, from the dead. Uh, immediately after that, uh, Jesus then sent the 12 of them out. So for the first time, Jesus sent the 12 of them out to preach the gospel and to heal the sick. The Bible says that they went out, um, they, they went out and preached the gospel and healed the sick. And they had never done that before. And then after that, they... They saw Jesus feed 5,000. So they came from, uh, from here up into a new season, and that's what God wants for us. When he says, let's go to the other side, he's saying, come on, I want to take you beyond where you're at now. I've got more for you. Your destiny's way up here. You need to get to here. You need to jump in the boat and, uh, and come with me to the other side. And uh, I just wonder if the musicians will come up or keyboarders. And, uh, you know, the, a lot of people talk about Peter getting out of the boat and stepping on water, and having that faith. But, but in this situation, Jesus is actually saying, let's get in the boat. Let's come with me. Let's go to the other side. You know, in the, in the, uh, I think in Mark's account of the same story, uh, there were also a lot of other boats that went to the other side as well. You know, when you make a decision to cross over with Jesus, others will follow with you. You know, you, you actually influence other people. When you've when you choose to get in the boat with Jesus, when you choose to go over, you influence other people. And they'll come. You're not just going for yourself. Actually, you bring a whole lot of people with you. You know, you look at Pastor Mark and, uh, and Pastor Lynn, how they're pushed through and broken through. They are bringing us all with them. You know, whatever Mike's pushed through, he's pushed through it for us now. He's, he, he's pushed through the breach first. It's not as hard for us. You know, Pastor Lynn has pushed through some things, and those coming up don't have to push it won't be as hard for the next uh, layer of people coming up to push through because these guys have spearheaded. They've spearheaded some things for us in the spirit in this church. I, you know, I love this church. This church has a great destiny. Uh, Sharon and I have been here for 18 years in this church, and we absolutely love it. You know, I have a destiny in God that I see out working. And, uh, you know, back in, in, in the late 90s, the, the dream I had, the, the, and I had prophetic words over me, and the dream I, some of the dreams I had in my heart were these two dreams. And, uh, and I've written them down. I've got words over them. One, to have an influence and work with men. Two, a, a heart and passion for missions. And are two 
roles I'm involved in right now. But way back then, they, that was my heart, to be involved with men. And I had people pulling me up and saying, I see you're working with men and influencing men. And this. But it has always been a passion of mine to work with men, to encourage men, to help them through things because I've had to go through so much as a man and still going through things. It's been just a tremendous passion. So there are two, two dreams I've had, two desires I've had that I, I'm walking in now. And I've got, God's got much more for me, but I'm walking in those now. Well, you know, the day I got saved, God birthed in, uh, something in my heart. He birthed a desire to preach the Word of God, to go to nations and to preach the Word of God. And, you know, God has fulfilled that and still fulfilling that. And, you know, there's many here that have, um, have dreams in their heart, have desires in their heart that, you know, have been there for a long time and they may be clouded at the moment. They, you know, you may be in a storm and they may be clouded and you can't see it. And when that happens, hope begins to go. I hate that feeling where hopelessness clouds in around you. It's just horrible. But you know, what I'm feeling at the moment in this church is that that, that storm is just lifting over the church. Corporately, I just feel the storm is lifting. And just even over these last two weeks, the vision has been getting clearer. Just things have been getting clearer whether I see God's taking our church and taking uh, each uh, individually. Just over the last two weeks, I've seen that just begin to clear. You know, many, many of us here have disappointments. Have, we have hurts, offenses, things like that. And all these stuff, all these kind of issues that we have all drive us into the storms because God wants to deal with them. God wants to bring us out of those places. Now, the first thing I want to do tonight is that you may not know Jesus Christ. It may be your first time here. Uh, a friend may have brought you or, you. or you may have once walked with Jesus Christ and you know you haven't got in that boat. You know you're not in that boat anymore. You're in another boat. You're, you're, you're going on a different journey. But there's a loss. There's an emptiness. Maybe you're on that boat with Jesus at one stage and that storm got too much for you. That storm just became too much for you. and You just, you just, you just couldn't do it. You had to get out. You had to get on another boat going another way. You know, God's calling you back tonight. If you don't know Jesus Christ, God is calling you. He's calling you forth into his kingdom so that he can begin to impart dreams into your life. He begin to impart a purpose into your life that you can take hold of him and, and all of a sudden know what you, you were born for, know what God created you for, saved, part of the kingdom, part of the family of God. Or maybe tonight you've walked away from God. God's calling you back tonight. I just, I just know he's calling you back tonight. You know, uh, uh, um, God's heart was always reaching out to the lost. He's always reaching out to those that have walked away. You know, many of us here may have walked away at times, but God never forgets. His heart is always for the one. His heart is always looking for the ones that are lost. You know, if everyone could just close your eyes. If that's you tonight, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ and you've heard this message and you're at a loss within your life, you're at a loss where where, you, where, where you're going right now. And you've heard this message and you think, yeah, I need to know who I am. I need to know what I'm called for. I want to be a, I want to be a Christian. I want to know this God, this Jesus Christ that died for me. I want to know him. If that's you today, can you just quickly raise your hand? If that's you today, if you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, if you, you've never committed your heart to him, just raise your hand. 
you're here tonight and you've, you've known, you know Jesus, you know him, you've had a relationship with him before, but you know you're in a different boat. You know you've, you've got off the boat that he was taking you on and you're on another boat, you're on another journey. God's calling you back tonight. If that's you tonight, if you were once with Jesus, but you now walked away from him and you want to get back on the boat with Jesus, if you want to begin to walk with him again and serve him again and, and, and reach that destiny that you know is in your heart, you know that he's promised you, I want you to just quickly raise your hand tonight. If there's anyone here that wants to come back to Jesus, wants to come back on his boat, just raise your hand tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, we thank you for tonight. We thank you for your word. You know, if you're here tonight, and I know there's, there's, there's many people going through storms or trials or things in their life. It may be disappointments. You may have had expectations that aren't met. And all of a sudden, your dreams and hopes are begin to are clouded. There's a storm around your life and you're going through a trial where there's something you're facing and it just seems so big. It just seems so big. You don't think you can ever get through it. If that's you tonight, you know what I'd like you to do? Why don't we just all stand up? Now God is here to break heaviness. He's here now to break yokes. He's here to help us break through. You know, these times when we need other people to help. These times the Bible says that we're to carry our own burdens and other times it says that we're to bear, the, bear, another, bear one another's burdens. If you're here tonight and you're going through a storm, if there's something that's come up in your life and you know God's got his hand on something, then I invite you to come up to the front now. Why don't we just make our way to the front? All those that, that are just struggling at the moment, why don't you just come up the front? I know there's many here tonight. Don't be ashamed. You know, the first key to coming up the front is to humble yourself. Come up the front. Humble yourself before the mighty hand of God, and He will exalt you in due time. Come, I know there's many more. There's many more that are facing difficulties. That there's turmoil, there's things in their life that they just know they need help to get through. Come, come, there's many more. I know there's many more. Holy Ghost, come. Thank you, Lord. Come forth. Holy Ghost, come. Now, God's touching many people here tonight. Many people, God's touching. God loves, you know, everyone here tonight, God loves you so much. God loves you so much. Why don't you just lift up your hands to the Lord? Holy Ghost. Just worship Him. Just keep worshiping Him just for a little while. Connect with God. That's it. Lift your hearts to God. Connect with Him. You're so mighty.
reach up to God. I know there's many more out there tonight. You need to come. You need to open up your heart. You need to begin to cry out to God. Holy God. Everyone just lift their hands up tonight. Holy Ghost. In a minute, we just get the, some of the leaders are going to come around and just begin to minister each and every one. But first, I want to lead you in a prayer because I want... It, it starts with each individual saying, Lord, I'm going to get back in that boat. Lord, I'm going to trust you through the storm. Thank you, Jesus. Dear Lord Jesus, just see everyone follow me as I speak. Dear Lord Jesus, I thank you that you love me. I thank you that you're for me. Father, I need your presence and I need your help. Father, forgive me. Father, where I've turned away. Lord, forgive me where I have had my eyes on myself. Lord, where I haven't trusted you in this situation. Father, I choose this day to begin to trust you. Lord, I bring this area up into you now. And I say, Lord, I'm willing to face it. Lord, by your, but with your help, I can do this. Father, I thank you so much. Why don't we just declare the scripture? I can be confident of this very thing. That you, Lord, who began a good work in me, will complete it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ. If everyone just stays here and just, you know, the important thing is that you stay connected with God. The important thing is that you talk to God in your heart. You know, in a minute, our leaders are going to come around. They're going to lay hands. They're just going to minister into you. He's going to pray with you and stand with you as you go through whatever you're going through. Just be open to them. Be open to God. Be open to them. Thank you, Lord. Just one of our leaders and pastors can come up and just begin to minister. Just begin to pray. Holy Ghost.